We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome to an episode of the Heat Beat Podcast. I am your disheveled voice host, Giancarlo Navas. And with me today is the professional screw-up, MHB alum, co-host of the Five on the Floor Podcast on Five Reasons Sports, and co-host on Locked on Heat, Alex Toledo. What's up? What's up? Good to be back. My voice is shot, chap. I got back from San Francisco on a red eye yesterday for, Traitor. for a wedding. My beautiful friends, Ty and Lachlan, got married. Uh, it was a wonderful ceremony. Uh, the night before, I watched game six at a bar, and I yelled so loud. Uh, and I said, Jimmy Butler, you motherfuckers, as I stood on a bar stool. Uh, and I pointed at people. So I, I had the guts at the bar. Uh, I went to another bar for Game 7, which was infested with Celtic fans. It was disgusting. And Alex, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things. I want to tell you, I wish you had seen the face of those Celtic fans when that Jimmy shot went up. I have never seen pure fear in human beings like that in my life. Sounds like a fun experience, man. I mean, look, that that night I think was magical for all Heat fans, no matter where you were. But that actually sounds particularly fun because it could have gone so bad. It could have gone so bad if Jimmy didn't have that game. And you got to see that, you know, before it all came crashing down. And we had that huge, I mean, it was such a nice glimmer of hope and glimmer of like, you know, the Heat are going to be right back in the finals. So I'm, I'm glad you had that experience, man. I know game six was so much fun for everybody, including myself. I, I, I got to just watch at home, which is, which is definitely a different experience than covering the games in person for me. So uh, it was it was good to in, enjoy that and not have to cover it. it. You know, as as the season as as the right the, the shot goes up, you know I don't want to litigate whether he could have should have done or whatever. Every everybody said their stupid take on that. Um, you know when that game ended, uh, and after the uh, by the way it was Alex most devastating heat loss for me since I think ever only 
following the 2011 finals. That's a hot take, man. I, I I, people say the 05 one with Dwayne. <clears throat> I don't know. I guess they were so young or Dwayne was so young that you just knew that, or at least it felt, and I, I, we were younger too, you know, we were young and naive. So maybe it felt to us, or at least to me, like, yeah, you know, we have Wade and Shaq. We'll get back here with this team. I think it feels like, you know, I mean, I don't, we're going to talk about this, the season as a whole or anything, but, um, you know, it, it was, it was gutting because you knew that if they were healthy, this wouldn't have been so close. And you knew if they were healthy, they would be playing the Warriors, the two most dominant teams uh, of this new basketball era, uh, facing each other and all the storylines for Hefe. So it was just gutting for me, man. And I, I, I mean, I'm still not totally over it. I haven't listened to a single. I've not consumed sports coverage. I haven't turned on. I love the low post and I love the dunker spot. I can't. I can't. I'm not on that. Twitter much. I like I, I like tweet memes and shit, and I'll send stuff to our group chat. But I'm pretty I'm pretty fucking destroyed. I feel you, man. Like I, I would have to think about it when comparing to like I would not compare it to 2011. That was no, that's that's the worst. That was because that shit was a that not just a, was that bad. That shit was embarrassing. Yeah, and it was so like it, it was like some some Marvel parallel universe shit where it's like you'd never seen LeBron before or since played to such a low level and, and and statistically you just go right back to like whatever it was 17.7 points per game literally unheard of from lebron in a playoff series before or since and that Throughout 17 was was lifted insane. by his game one that was good because the rest of it was awful yeah and then you had that coming after two rounds where he just looked like one of the best players of all time destroyed the celtics destroyed the bulls had heat fans feeling great like we we're gonna run toward march towards the title and then, boom, you just get embarrassed on a national stage while D-Wade is carrying you. Rob D-Wade of another title, of another finals MVP. And now I'm getting mad about it again. And that's just to say that, you know, the, this series doesn't compare, man. It and I know. I get it. I, I, I really have place, always hated the Celtics. I've always hated the Celtics. So, you know, um, it, I get that part, losing to the Celtics like that. And in game seven at home, I think the worst part about it is uh, just getting away from what happened in game seven. The fact that they lost three games at, uh, in a row at home in the playoffs, like they were undefeated uh, through game one of this series. They lost game two, lost game five, lost game seven. And two of those were blowouts. Just the, the fact that it ended that way, we know the context. We know how banged up these guys were. It's not as, as simple as that. But the fact that it ended that way after how dominant they were at home, which is the most flabbergasting part to me, because I was already going into like, like I went to the series saying he did seven. Um, and after game five happened, I, I was kind of like, you know, let's see if they, they can pull off a miracle in game six. But if they do that, I, I had them winning game seven, even with the injury stuff. So I, I was definitely I get the devastation stuff. And, in the you know, I said this on five on the floor. I, I was there with Brady in the in the moment oh, well. when Jimmy took that shot. <laughs> let's not get into that. Uh, when Jimmy took that shot, I believe, man, I believed right in that moment, even though I, I get it right. Like you I had out backpedaling. You didn't have anybody in the back line. Um, Jimmy could have tied the game, but he had already played the whole game, you know, uh, was carrying them, put the team on his Bam back. He wanted the whole game kill. too. Bam had played yeah, like almost the whole game. Jimmy and they, they really, I don't know if they should have been in that game towards the end like that, the way they were. And so I get why people were frustrated with that shot because it's like, you know, you did all that work to come back in a game where it looked like it was over a few minutes before and then you just kind of I leave gave it up. up. That's not high percentage. But I, I get it because in the moment, he just wanted to go for the kill, right? I think that's that was the most important thing. And all his teammates in. and Spo have backed him since. I felt that was going in. It felt it felt like destiny. It felt like destiny. 
Uh, Spiza wants to know at what age did Alex stop cutting out pages from Slam Magazine to hang up on the wall? <laughs> high school. Yeah. I think just before high school. These are all old. It was um, it was hard for everything that you said, and and just the it was the Celtics. It was that Celtic team, you know. And giving a team revenge feels like feels bad, you know. And I don't know, man. I'm glad they pulled off Game Six. I think I'm glad they didn't go outside because it looked like they could have gone out a little sad in Game Seven. There, they no, ended they up went out with a fucking off. fight, man. Exactly. So that's that's the stuff. that's like you know. They ended up being the team that I thought they were as far as like their character and not just going out that way. And again, obviously they, they you know, they blew a lot of free throws. They blew a lot of threes, just really frustrating stuff. So I'm not trying to excuse them. They could, they could have won. And you know, maybe you could say they should have won despite all the injuries, despite being banged up. I, I, I look, I've been covering this team game for game for three seasons now. And the feeling I got in the playoffs um, covering the conference finals, and I got it uh, around game five of the Sixers series too. It took me right back to the kind of like those LeBron days where like the pressure's on because I just want to beat these teams. Fuck and it's man. like that the objectivity really gets <laughs> put to the line that there. That shit gets blurred. Like, you know, we're still talking about the team and analyzing what's good, what's going well, what's going wrong. We're trying to be fair about it. But at the same time, like I really, really, really want them to win. I don't want to see the Sixers happy. Don't want to see the Celtics happy. It's always been that way. I still haven't gotten that part out of me. Like when they, when the when the game ended and all that stuff happened, you know, with the trophies and the presentation, I, I, I did not stick around for that. Oh, I, I, I left the bar immediately. I, call, I, I walked out to call my Uber. Of that San Francisco bar. Shout out to Samus Fendiari. I refused to, to cover the Celtics post game after that. Like I, oh. I, I didn't even. I just went straight to the heat locker room, and, and I mean, um, not locker room, the heat media room to bask in the, you know, bask in the sadness. But I, I'm proud of the team, man. That's I'm the difference. I'm really proud of this team. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. They fought. And I, you know, I don't want this, you know, they're, and I've said this a lot. This is not an organization that celebrates conference title trophies, that celebrates conference title appearances. They're not the Clippers and they're not the Larry Blazers. Bird trophies. Yeah, they're, they're not the Clippers and the Blazers. You know what I mean? They celebrate, you know, 
winning titles. They celebrate, you know, parades and, and, and gold plating and champagne. I don't think that anybody's saying this season was a waste or bad. I know Kyle said that. Kyle, yeah. People took that out a little out of context. Kyle came here to win a title and Kyle got hurt and was not the player that I think he felt he could be. And a lot of things happened, right? So these guys, you know, had expectations of winning a title and they were within a game of the finals. And I think if they had made the finals, I was joking and all in San Francisco, if they make the finals as Warriors in five, you know, cause they're just fucking, they're gutted. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're a walking hospital. So they had expectations to win a title, but they were the, they were the fucking one seed and they came within a shot of making the finals. And once you're in the finals, I think we've seen uh, anything can happen. Right, whatever everybody says, that shit goes out the window. Once you're there, as long as you have your guys playing, right? And I think that would have been the biggest difference between them advancing to the finals this year compared to what happened in the bubble. Because like, obviously, this team is already banged up, uh, top to bottom. But Tyler would have been playing. He said it yesterday at the at the press conference, uh, exit interviews, and your guys would have been out there. You had the one seed. You wouldn't have had home court versus the Warriors because that tiebreaker. But because like, the this is the year, right? I think for, for the, from their perspective, like this was the year for them to try to do it again, right? Like you you got you know you got the favorable um, the favorable matchups relative to the rest of the conference. The East was really tough this year compared to how it's been the past few years, right? Like the East was the superior conference. They got the favorable matchups. They you know they got the tough one, the toughest one at the end. Almost got through it despite everything. And I, I like some people on Heat Twitter want to call this type of mentality toxic positivity. I just think like. You know, we got to have perspective on these things, man. The Jimmy build, my whole thing, the Jimmy Bam build, that this era has been a complete success so far. It works. They, again, they were with a shot. If that shot doesn't, if that shot goes it's, in, oh where what, what, you know what I mean? So it's like. It would have been an all-time moment, man. It would have been an all-time moment. I love that, that moment more than but it's anything. Also like, it's kind of also the the crescendo of all the you know the crunch time stuff that was going on throughout the the regular season and, the, and other regular seasons in the past where it's like jimmy will take shots that not everybody wants but uh you also that's kind of what comes with he was a, a good guy like jimmy. in the playoffs oh yeah no, no no i'm with you man that's why it's like I, i'm good with jimmy taking uh jumpers the way he was throughout the playoffs they leave him wide open he's got to make him pay and he did at times you know he would have a game where he hit zero threes or between two and four like i feel like uh so that's how it was but i even in that game in that moment i don't feel like he had that three going it was kind of an awkward attempt regardless in the in that moment i believed man i, I believe really believe no it problem. felt like it felt like we were headed for like a magical moment in that time maybe that's just you know the sports fan in me coming back being naive but they were really putting together a run and that's what basketball is it's a game of runs they had the momentum they were at home despite not hitting the threes they fought right back into Jimmy and Bam clawed back. And then Kyle had a nice fourth quarter. Um, so close, man. So close. It's tough. You know, and I, you can't help but think of the Ray Allen shot. And uh, it, it so clearly became there's winning and there's misery. The famous Pat Riley quote, right? Because with, with, with the Ray shot, you get this miracle three that, you know, really cements what is one of the most legendary seasons and moments in the history of basketball. Um, you know, being able to top that 33 game win streak and and that LeBron team with the title and back to back, right? Just everything about that was like per perfect. And on the other side, you have this year, this 
almost this little engine that could, this we believe he team that got the one seed, didn't get respect any round of the playoffs, not even not even against the fucking Hawks, and they were within a shot of just fucking shutting every doubter up. And uh, it, it was just so clear of, the, of that quote, there's winning and there's misery. A lot yeah, of I people... Think the, all of the bubble fluke stuff, all that stuff... The bubble has fluke stuff a lot, yeah. I think it's disproved regardless. Oh, no, like, they, they answered Jimmy, Jimmy and Bam. At least Jimmy. Maybe, maybe Bam didn't do enough for some people, but in an elimination game with your season on the line... Played Bam was so good, man. Bam was so good. And his good. shot selection like, wasn't even good. His shot selection sucked. There was a lot of God, turnaround fadeaways and shit that I was the like, fan what are you stuff with, with Heat fans and him turning into this alpha scorer, like he did it for two games in this series. And I think, oh man, I can't concentrate now. No, but uh, he did it for two games in this series. And I think going into this series, the way he had looked, right, where he, they hadn't necessarily gotten his shot attempts up or anything like that. Um, if I would have told you Bam has two gigantic scoring games, you probably say you win. You probably say that's all you need from him. As long as the other games he's playing good enough, and maybe that's the the argument to be had, right? Because I'm not here to get the whole Bam thing. I, don't but I think people are frustrated. Conversation, but exactly, I don't, we don't need to. But what I'm saying is, like, he had it was so up and down for him. But man, the, he had those to be two better games. in the aggregate. But in Game Seven, he, you know, when they needed it most, he played his yeah. best basketball. They only needed him to be better in those other games, I think, because the the other guys just didn't come through. And then in those in the three games where Jimmy was not looking like himself, it's like, well, everything else is failing. Come on, Bam, step up. It's like, uh, I, can he be that every night? I don't know. But he did it for two times. I mean, he did it twice in this series versus the best defense in the league where there's not really uh, many holes for him to go at. So, um, you know, I think we should we should give Bam some love after what he did, especially in game seven couple of things from that game seven and we're going to move on to um, other things and, and Kyle and, and their future and everything. You know, they opted to go really, really, really small at the end of that game. And uh, it's funny because today the conversation. I had no choice, kind of. Huh? They really had no choice with, with PJ's situation. So what do, did, do we know? Did, did Was PJ, was PJ, a, did PJ not play because of health or because of just he was just cramping the space to a point that it became a total minutes. No, I know. But like, what, what did he did? The, I did not see any, any quotes exposed, give a, any clarification as to if that was a basketball decision or a PJ health decision. I'm pretty sure he, he said something about it being a, a health decision because I, I mean, PJ and in, in, I think in every other game, this playoffs has, has played uh starter minutes or more. So, I mean, Look, everything from the you know the past couple of games of the series is a little bit of a blur to me because he, he has such a roller coaster. But man, PJ was not right, and I think uh, P, they they would have gone back to PJ uh, if he was right. I don't I, I don't think the Oladipo thing was something like you know he's just the, the clear cut better option. Well, I mean, I, I thought downsizing was smart because you give Robert less places to hide, which was the thing with PJ, where you know they were just not guarding him, and, and PJ in the corner made that help really easy um, as opposed to Oladipo, who's a ball handler. So you're just constantly running pick and rolls, you know, whether it's on or off ball or Jimmy as a screener. So it just gets him in more actions and away from what he wants to do. And he gets more attacked in, in space in that way, which I thought is what Miami did. And, and, and it didn't hurt their rebounding, uh, which I think is the important part. And I just thought it was interesting because the conversations have been, well, we need a four to play next to bam. Well, a, you have one and B, when the when when rubber hit the road and the season was at the brink, they went through. They went Depot Jimmy at the four, 
Max and Kyle with Bam, right? So that was the most success. Really, you know, their offense, you know, when Robert Williams has played, that's the best their offense has looked. Um, and they held up defensively. So for all that talk about playing It's a terrible start, man. They just really put shot themselves in the foot with that first quarter. That a lot, I, feel like, I mean, but they were such a good first quarter team throughout the season. And then in the playoffs, uh, we're a dominant third quarter team. And I feel like in this Celtics series, everything that we've known about the Heat in the regular season and the, and the, the rest of the playoffs, it's just not been the same. Like the Celtics, I mean, this is to give them credit as much as I, I hate to do that. Like they just did a really good job making things uncomfortable every night for the Heat. Despite You know, obviously there was adjustments along the way. It wasn't the same game played every time. Um, they took the Heat out of their process and I think made the Heat, you know, really uncomfortable, especially with guys being so banged up. Like it just forced guys – and force the team to, I, I think, do stuff that they don't necessarily always want to do. And look, I, I haven't looked at the final um, numbers, but at, when I was working on that article after game five, it was, or game, no, after game four, at that point in the series, it, the the Celtics were forcing the, the Heat into just way more min, many, Jesus Christ, way more mid-range attempts. And I think that ended up holding out for, you know, staying steady for the last three games as well. And I think that was just kind of the biggest thing Right, like they kind of took, they got the Heat to take less shots at the rim, um, fewer threes. You know, the past couple of games, the Heat ended up uh, taking more than they did throughout the rest of the series. But they took the Heat out of their game, which is Jimmy barreling to the line. Like I think Jimmy was awesome when he was, and the those other games when he was banged up, like they had nothing else to go to. The threes were not falling. That you know, it ended up <laughs> we never got the progression to the mean. And then guys could not hit shots in the in-between area, you know, consistently enough. And that's kind of the shots that the Celtics force you into. They force you into way more jumpers and they weren't falling. So it's like you need more from uh, you need Jimmy and Bam to be those types, those uh, big uh, points per game type of guys for you when they weren't that for you in the regular season. So they, they basically made the Heat switch their blueprint up. Ime Udoka made a bet. He bet that Miami's bad lower body was not going to be able to get lift on the jump shots. Guys like Max, guys like Kyle, you know, guys like Tyler. Like the, the, They made a bet, and those guys were not going to shoot well enough because of how banged up they are, particularly with lower body injuries. Uh, so their shoppers were short, and I think it's almost fitting that Jimmy's three-pointer was short. It was, it was on tired, heavy legs, and uh, Ime Udoka won that bet, and it was tested until the very fucking end. Because Horford was sagging back, was not playing up Adam to drive him off the three line. So, can I talk about a frustration I had? The one thing that bothered me with Jimmy this whole uh, playoff series. It's it's funny that you talk about how it's you know the the shot being flat and now it's kind of thematic of you know the context of the team and all that. The other thing was the Jimmy Horford matchup. I thought the whole series there was plenty of times, and I'm not gonna you know I'm not talking down. On that's Jimmy always been like, tough for more. Him. I think that's a guy that he can turn the corner on. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong there. I think that's a guy who can easily turn the corner on. I'm not even talking about the game-winning play here because, you know, I think he probably could have got to the rim too. Maybe Jalen Brown would have rotated. He would have had to pass it out. And it's Old Depot taking a three for the win instead. So, obviously, maybe that's not what you His want. His knee's not <laughs> right. On the line. That knee is not right. And for him to make a play over the most athletic guy on the floor and a really good – that's tough. I don't, I don't blame him. But – the Celtics bet that they were going to overhelp off shooters because that's not who they've been. They were helping everywhere off shooters. They were going really, really under. They were dropping really, really deep. 
and they were not letting my aunt, they were sending two at every BAM roll. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. They had no answer for Jimmy. The best defense in the league had no solution for Jimmy Butler. Before anybody says shit, he carved them up. And they tried and crazy everything. Too, there's only one guy that we saw consistently get bullied by Jimmy in this series, and that was Derek White. I mean, Pritchard is different, but that was like that wasn't fair. you know that came. That's and not went. a fair fight. Yeah, that came and went. We barely saw him when it really mattered. But outside of Derek White, there wasn't somebody who I think he was consistently trying to get the matchup on and bully, and he still was able to was put up great. that type of production and step up his game versus that defense, they knowing that giving up the you know, everything else is not working. They know that they're gonna go <laughs> that the Heat are gonna go to Jimmy when everything else is <laughs> excuse me not working, and still. They, they did a good job of not kind of giving him the matchups he super-duper wanted for a lot of that series. Sometimes it gets difficult, but when they could, they would they would pre-switch, they'd emergency scramble, all that stuff. Regardless, um, you know, obviously just came up short, all that credit to the Celtics and, and everything they bet on. Let's would you say they were the better defense? I mean, throughout the to, series? It's hard to judge. I mean, both teams were really fucked up. I, I did think Boston's guys that were hurt looked better than Miami's guys that were hurt physically. So it's hard to judge. <clears throat> I think um, I thought Miami had to play. The Celtics were clearly the better offense, so that's why I asked. The Miami had to play too many guys that shouldn't be out there, like Deadman, like Duncan, and they had to hide with the zone and stuff. I think that zone was so bad. I didn't like them going to it. I like when they go to the zone as a weapon, not as like out of fear. And I and I thought the Celtics solved that pretty quickly. Um, they're they're just too overly smart. reminiscent of some of these other seasons where uh, they would do that when they would have too many of the, you know, their subpar defenders on the floor. It's like it's not my favorite thing, especially when your season's on the line. It works against a team like the Lakers, right? Because you're just like, okay, like LeBron's gonna do the thing, and let's just not give him a switch or whatever. Boston's just too, you know. I, I did think that the bet to make Tatum a passer and a playmaker. I don't think Tatum has answered any questions about that. I think that they almost lost that series because I don't think he was good enough. Um, I mean, I think he's got a lot better in that. He's better. Again. He's not elite, but uh, he he worked it out. I think Jalen is the one that comes out with way more questions. Like, just watching those games, Jalen Brown cannot do anything against good help defense. Jalen, I think that's why I was frustrated when – uh, they would concede the Gabe matchup to Jalen because it's like Jalen was just always going to go for the jumper, and I think they had most success. And, and look, I love Gabe and, and his uh, defense, how he gets up into guys. But, uh, like, if you're not forcing him into the lane, into the help defense, he's just going to rise up and shoot over over Gabe. You know, that size advantage, that's what he wants to do. 
Whereas, wanna, like, once you, you you send him into the help, he's going to fumble that ball, man. Like, he really cannot – he does not have counters. He does not have dribble counters. Right? Like, whereas Tatum is, I think, more creative and is a quicker passer, even though he's not elite. He was turning the ball over too much, and I think Miami was really winning that a lot. Um, Sorrell1977, first-time chatter, uh, says, Miami has a, has a needs a true center to stretch and block shots to allow Bam to develop his offensive game and defend the perimeter more. Yeah, I, I don't agree. <laughs> I don't. I don't really. I don't really see how another center helps that. Except you can play bigger match. If you allow for another center, you let the teams play a little bigger. Um, I think for the most part, Miami has been successful in playing two bigs off the floor. Um, I think the case is to to have that in the toolbox, yeah, right? Because I think should, you should, but I don't think that that this series a particular type of big to be able to fit, right? Like, I think that the type of guys that people are talking about are not necessarily available. Like, you know, Al Horford would be nice next to Bam in theory, right? Like, But they, had, they had a big like who could stretch the floor. Yeah. You, you, they don't need, like, a, a center to stretch the floor. They need a four that isn't getting helped off of because the issue with Bam scoring the series, despite what any of you want to say, was he's a roll man big. And when he was rolling... They they were dropping on Lowry and they were dropping on Max, who are his you know pick and roll buddies. They were dropping on Jimmy, who's his other pick and roll buddy, and those guys were not hitting threes. So they were dropping, and when Bam would roll, they sent Robert Williams off of PJ Tucker to help really early. So Bam's at the nail, and he has he has to stop his roll because he's there by two guys. So a center doesn't solve that. It's, it, that's what I'm saying. It would have to be a big who you feel really good about as a spacer, right? Like somebody who you feel better about if than PJ. PJ had some shots, we're not talking about this. Is my thing. But I understand, like the the. It doesn't the make sense. It's like as... people say this, Alex, and I don't understand what the reasoning is because nobody's told me what on the floor changes if if they have a bigger guy. I the only thing that really changes is. For other guys, it helps Jimmy because you can have a pick-and-pop guy and you don't always have to have a roll guy because Miami didn't really have a pick-and-pop element to their offense. It doesn't help Bam because whether Bam is the four or whether Bam is the five, he's going to be defended by the same guy because the other guys aren't going to be screening. You don't want him to. You want Bam to screen. So I think the case the, the case to be made is like you get somebody like it, it, I'm gonna keep saying Horford because I, I those are the only that's the only name that's just coming to mind right now because he's somebody who can shoot defend you know is a smart player et cetera et cetera like a vet big like that yeah. how many other guys are there like that but this I think the people but that helps people your have defense managers. more than your offense Alex that's what I'm saying it's like there's times where you know you feel better about having a bigger guy there when you're having Bam switch out onto the perimeter as much as as much as you do but um really I think. The, the connection has been made that, you know, and, and look, I'm not saying I agree with this because I already know what your response is going to be. But um, since they lost, you know, to this quote unquote big team in the bubble, the Lakers, and then they lost to the Bucks, and now they lost to the Celtics who start two, uh, two, two fives. So I think that's what people are ki- uh, kind of focusing on. And I get like the, the, the theory, the idea of it, right? I just don't know what guy that is, is going to be out there who, uh, who really makes sense. Like, I just think it's kind of something that sounds better uh, in theory than what's actually yeah, out there. Chat wants Christian know. Wood. You got, you think, you think Christian, I'm Christian good on that. You think, you think Christian Wood is surviving? People want Bobby Portis. Bobby can't survive defensively. Stop it, man. Bobby, what, what Stop is, it. Bobby sucks. You, what do you, Look, man, like, having another bench front court piece. You is guys, cool. hold on, I, Alex. They don't want Duncan Robinson out there because he gets targeted on defense. What the fuck do you think happens to Bobby Portis? 
Did you not watch us? Did you not watch them lose? Did you not watch them say, hey, let's put Bobby fucking Portis in a drop? Come on, guys. Come on. Like, like, I think they're going to try to uh, explore the market for Duncan. Not to get into the whole trade talk stuff. I'm not, you know, it's not my favorite thing right now. We'll we'll revisit that later. That's what I'm saying. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, essentially, if they don't like a front, if they don't see a, a trade that's out there for Duncan, I don't see that front court piece thing happening, right? Like, you know, it would be cool. Like, you and I both agree on, like, a guy like but Harrison Barnes. you think Barnes, Pat Riley's going to move off? You think Pat and Spoiler are going to move off of P.J. Tucker? Get the fuck out of here. No. No way. No. You guys are delusional. No. Whether, I mean, whatever look, you guys want and what they want are just two different things. Because yeah, they no, fucking I love P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker is made to play for the Heat, and I think he's going to retire with the Heat if I had to bet. I, I mean, look, there's a chance he gets... You would get moved if, if, if uh, you know, a top-tier player became available. We know the Heat have done things like that before, but I would just be shocked. Like, I think they would more <laughs> get creative in other ways, bringing in a third team to try to make money work before actually throwing P.J. into a trade, for example. But not that we have to get into that. But P.J., I think, is going to retire on the Heat. Yeah, okay. Like, you fucking the Wizards just got rid of Bertans, and they want to get Duncan Robinson for Kuzma. Come on. <laughs> um, Let's talk about Lowry because um, – let me tell you something. Y'all are really weird about the Kyle thing. It's like, you got. I get messaged. He sucks. You're weird for liking Kyle Lowry. And uh, after we spent a whole season talking about how they needed a point guard badly, did they not? No, that's what I'm saying. Like people, it's this. That's how we. You know, he, we we turn on our guys, man. But hold on, wait a second, really Alex. Emotional after that loss because you know he, he didn't produce enough. Why like, did um thirty six on a bad hamstring? Like I. You just you got to be glad that he was out there, and I think he should you know, be he out there. Game six. Did he look he had an healthy? Incredible game six. Did he look healthy no, he to anybody? Healthy. That's my no, thing. It's like healthy. if you want to criticize his play in a in a pressure situation where he's healthy, that's fine. I don't have a lot of problems with people going after Bams. Some of Bams' performances this series, that motherfucker's fine. You know, Kyle clearly. Man, how bad is my I think voice? People sound? are paranoid that the injury stuff is going to be something that's recurring. Bro, that's for the not rest his fault, time. though. It's like you guys. I think the way that that fans like approach it, which is like fine, I understand. It's it's tough. Um, and guys, people people like frame the body fat thing a lot of times. Don't you remember when Dwayne Wade lost all the weight and he kept getting hurt because he plays a physical brand of basketball and he told the Heat, "Hey, I need to put on more weight because I get fucking hit a lot and I cannot be flying around at this age." So the weight stuff. You know, he Kyle falls a lot, and he cannot. He has to take contact because he's a physical guy on both ends of the floor. So the idea of like he's too fat or this or that, his fitness is never in question. It's you know what I mean. He's it's not. He's never like tired on the court like that. Um, yeah, I don't really stuff. know that, that was, the fitness is what led to the hamstring either. It's just such a weird Bro, it's place just to shit get into. People like that happens all the time. So I, I don't really understand fans criticizing him. For the bad play when you and know he was he's healthy hurt. throughout the season, like the only times he was out was uh, for personal reasons, right? They, did how many yes. games did he miss yes. in the season? He missed more than Jimmy, I think, because of the the, the personal reasons. Uh, but, but I'm saying I'm saying due to injury, how many games did he oh, miss during the season? It's been like a career low. Yeah, I mean Just he's taking really, care really of really bad time, man. It was it was kind of like a Chris Paul thing with him, right? Like we, how many times have we compared their games? But as far as like you know the really bad timing with the injury, right? And like. You had him healthy all season. There was so many times, especially in the middle of the year, when, when when Jimmy and Bam were out and guys were cycling in and out of the lineup. Kyle was kind of the the, the guy keeping them keeping them afloat. And then they got through that whole stretch and were the one or the two seed, right? So I think Kyle showed you what he's capable of. They they 
they jumped for, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they jumped in half court offense. They jumped in transition offense by a good amount uh, from last season to this season. Like, uh, you know, he, he's not somebody you can hunt. He's somebody who fits perfectly into the, the type of defensive system they run. They're not stuck with him. Like some people have put, like, I think that's a guy you want around. I think that's somebody that you build around. Like you, you, you don't want him to necessarily step up and take, 16 17 shots a game now i think that's not the role for him anymore you want him to be the setup guy who will take shots when it's there when teams are dropping and i think there was some frustration with that but again the legs weren't there yeah right so i think like i'm looking at it like yeah kyle's a part of this going forward he's a he's a win now player you got to build around that and i think that's where the tough the tough decisions tough decisions come with the other guys in the roster but we already know who's set in stone they know that they're hurt like I mean, look, I, I don't think the team is looking at this like a complete failure. They're not. I mean, I, I get what Kyle said as far as waste of a year because they, they all are, are gunning for titles. I get it. But, uh, you know, I think after some time off, they're they're going to have a different tone about it next season. I just think it sucks that, you know, it felt like they had everything they needed. And then, you know, right when it came down to it, they had such bad timing with injuries. And I get it. The Celtics weren't 100% healthy either. But... It's just unfortunate, man. It's unfortunate, and and I just I just wanted to bring that up because a lot of people are are criticizing his play and thing like he sucks and he's the reason why they lost. Bro, he got hurt. Nobody said that about Gorn. You just you just not attached. You just don't like him. Okay, you had a preconceived notion and you don't like him, and he got hurt, and now you're mad because you he lost. Had that reputation coming in of like him. this guy who folds in the playoffs, and I think that's what kind of people remember. And then you see he has these games where he's not shooting the ball, and it's like, oh god. He like clearly didn't have lift. Like you saw, I think the and then we can end on this. You know, you watched the regular season matchup against the Celtics, and you saw when they dropped, when they tried to do the limiting thing to Bam, and they would drop kind of deep to contain the roll. Kyle's eating that because that's what he's good at. That's why you bring him. But the fact that you know he didn't have his legs they were right. missing their other drop killer. Who uh, Max? No, Tyler. Okay. I mean, he wasn't a drop killer during the playoffs, but I'm saying like that blueprint they had in the regular season with Kyle and Tyler there with the team hitting at a much higher percent from three, like it was not the same team playing against the Celtics. And oh, I think that the, sure. the conversation sure. to be had is like whether they should change the blueprint a little bit, not, you know, not all the way, but like mix it up where you're not so reliant on the threes. And I think Spo was something he keeps emphasizing that is like, oh, we've shown that we can win in other ways. And they have, they, they won in, in other ways during the playoffs, but I do feel that they're, initial blueprint that they've been running ever since Jimmy has been here is kind of, you know, uh, Jimmy pummeling to the rim. And then the other guys is kind of a, a perimeter oriented offense. And I think that's where you can get into the conversation of like, um, you know, trying to get Bam more involved, uh, other guys who can create uh, rim pressure for you. They're obviously, they obviously have high hopes for uh, uh, Depot next season. We'll see how that works out. But um, I think mixing up stuff in the offense where you're not going to be so reliant on, on the jumpers to fall, when everything matters, right? I think that that would be a fair concern. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's kind of what it came down to in that offense. It was like, taken, not enough made, and the teams were living with it. Yeah, okay, so so Schmeek says, yeah, but he was, yeah, he was hurt, but he also wasn't great before he got hurt. All two games? Come on, guys. How many games did he end up playing in the playoffs? But that, they'd be the before... two and a half games before the, the injury. So... In the first two games, the first game, the offense was absolutely fantastic. And I've said a lot of times, I think Kyle's biggest skill is knowing when to not uh, mess with something that's working. 
He's not going to overtake over, over dribble. He's not going to take the offense out of the flow that it's in. And their offense looked really good for two games. You can argue he didn't look great in the third game. Fine. He didn't play well a half. Okay. Cool. Is that really your argument? Like, I don't get that. But regardless, you know, he didn't look good. Um, you know, hopefully he can get better and healthy because I, I just I think that everyone's been a little unfair to a guy that's been hurt. Because, again, nobody did this with Gogi. Nobody did this with Bam in the finals when they were clearly hurt and they played like dog shit and everyone was like hero, warrior. And then when 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 Kyle does it, you know, everybody fucking doesn't like me. So they want to like rub it in and tweet at me all day. And I was like, okay, guys, I get it. You guys don't like me and Kyle. So you're just on here to defend yourself. Huh? You're just on here to defend yourself. And you're using you think, people as... think I care about Twitter. I was like, okay, I've, I I just go to a different I, – I was in San Francisco with my friends. I don't really care about you guys. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, That's a very Sedano move. Me, Sedano? I learned from the best, baby. I love my audience. <laughs> Sedano, man. I love my audience, but if you guys – I'll take it. But if you guys are going to be like mean to me, like, well, you want me to sit there and fucking read it? Is that your version of what LeBron said after the 2011 finals? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck y'all's lives. I'm in San Francisco, motherfucker. I mean, I'm having West Coast oyster and champagne. What are y'all doing? My voice is so gone. I, I, God, I'm, I'm just dead. Oh, Can I ask one question before we go? We, so I want to talk about positive thing. things, but yeah. All right. Um, quick. quick. The the half court offense stuff was a conversation throughout the year. It ended up playing out in different ways throughout the playoffs. When it counted most, how do you feel about the looks they got versus the Celtics? Um, is it a sustainable offense? What could they have done better? Just anything like that that you have uh, in mind. Uh, I think com- comparing how they looked running half-court offense in the- versus the Celtics compared to uh, what it looked like during the regular season is kind of what I'm thinking about. Well, it's kind of um, it's kind of tough to say because, you know, the, the injury is really colored, you know, the way that they had to play. I thought when, you know, against it never looked great. I think it kind of looked how we thought it would look. Um, and a lot of that, I think, had to do with the Lowry injury. Lowry not being there for most of the playoffs, like, didn't look great unless it was Jimmy or Bust. The only the, – the, the times when it looked good, it was Jimmy-centric, which makes sense. Toward the end of the series, I thought they got Boston to do the adjustment that you want, which is they played more big and they were putting guys in drop and if you're the heat that's the win that you want because you're just like we're, we can get our movement shooters to kill that and they did and i've tweeted about it and i've tweeted the video the issue comes that their movement shooters were not hitting more so than kyle max and, and tyler were just not up to snuff and duncan did not play i thought duncan deserved probably play game seven but whatever i get it i'm not here to litigate that either but you know you you needed uh, somebody to attack that space that was given and the guys who shoot the main three guys, Tyler, Kyle, and Max just had no legs and you were not able yep. to punish that adjustment by Boston. And, um, yep. and, and I think any other person taking a steady diet of threes is a win for Boston. Whether and then you had Jimmy, guys helping off PJ like you talked about. So it just, it became oh. a little untenable. I thought all things yeah. considered, I thought it was good enough to make the finals. I mean, it was. I know. Despite all that, it really was. They were a game away from making the finals. That's the positive. And and that, how do you feel about that already being a thing that's kind of getting shitted on? Like, 
guys like me and you talking about, oh, they went away from the finals and like how we're already bringing that up. And That's loser talk. The way that we brought brought up, uh, you know, them getting to the finals before. Like, I don't, I don't understand it. Do the results not matter anymore? It's loser talk. Thought, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Results over process, baby. It's stuff that the losers say, but you know, when you know, you you also have to understand that like you know only one team gets to be happy at the end of the season everybody else all or two teams if you're the maps you're just happy to be there anybody who blew ex anybody who had expectations you know you're not going to be happy um before before the heat traded for jimmy butler he had never uh, he he never played in the conference finals right no because i was trying to he wasn't on that uh that team that the heat eliminated in 2011 he, he got was drafted the second the one. After. He was, yeah he was on the nazi muhammad push team he never he never got to the conference finals, uh, and ever since he's been here, you know, not to simplify things, we've seen him take it to a whole other level in the playoffs, and then get to the conference finals, get a shot away from the finals after having already taken him to the finals two seasons ago. Like I just don't understand how that doesn't matter. We've seen him take his game to another level. I think has played at at a higher level than we ever could have expected when when the Heat traded for him. So it's just like. This idea that they got to blow everything up and it's going to be a huge disappointment if things, uh, you know, if things come back and they look really similar. Like, I don't know, man. I just people, I just want people to have their expectations all right because I saw all the begging for players stuff happening as soon as they lost. And I, look, man, I get it. We all cope different ways. I, I've always had fun with the trade machine, especially, you know, I, that, that, those are the types of <laughs> articles I would write for Heat Beat back in the day. I get it. Trade machine's fun. But this team was so damn close, man. We're not talking about Goran and Justice and Hassan Whiteside and, you know, a team that had no chance of doing anything. I just want this team to be respected, man. It's, it's not such even a respected by the fan base. Of all time. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah, that like, kind of sucks. I, you got to be the one giving them the respect. They deserve because it. Because they they're were, not getting the respect uh, from, you know, from outsiders. They were really I think fucking the good. Teams ever. They were really, really fucking good. And the Tyler injury really fucked them up because they're really just I know that he wasn't looking great and everybody made the jokes oh ha ha bad uh, good for the heat the time bro he was such an incredible part to their bench offense and as a guy who as a just Literally another, the types of shots that the Celtics were allowing are, are the shots that Tyler thrives in even if it would have had to be against you know top tier defenders those are the shots that Tyler likes man yeah, it, it would have been a handler as a just as a sh guy who can get to the mid-range uh, and he, you know, him not being healthy, you know, Caleb's injury, you know, just bad for them. He was playing so well. So, I mean, whatever it is, it is what it is. Of course. How do you feel thing. about Depot handling the ball so much? Uh, not good. I was not a Depot pick and roll guy. I was like, get the ball. <laughs> Christian and I were like, please, let's let someone. Else. I thought, by the way, I mean, let's get good stuff. I watched the film, you know, Celtics were blitzing Kyle or they were shading him with the second guy. I thought all things considered, Kyle and pick and roll was generally fine. Um, you know, especially after that really rough start. They were just missing a fucking ton of shots. Yeah. So yeah. it is what it is. But the depot thing, I was just frustrated less with depot and more just like the fact that Jimmy didn't touch the ball for the last two, three minutes of game seven until he got that shot. I just couldn't believe it. Like why all of a sudden is your, your game plan is depot pick and roll and you know he's gonna shoot it. He's gonna shoot it. and he ended up making a couple plays, getting a couple assists. So I'm not trying to bag on him. I've always been a, a, a depot guy. I, I wanted him here, and I wanted him to be a big part of this team. But, wow, it's just like Jimmy Butler is not touching the ball in the game seven with your season on the line for the last two, three minutes. And I, that, I was very frustrated by that part. My friends that were with me at the bar, they said, man, Victor Oladipo is really going out of his way to make this all about Victor Oladipo. <laughs> 
<laughs> I like Big Man. I hope they bring him back. I do too. Uh, he was great. I like him in the right role. I love Depot. I'm I'm in. A, I was not a Depot guy, and I really this season kind of changed. So, did you see how Spo is hyping him up for next season? As far as like, yeah, I don't listen to uh, what things Spo says. That man just says lies. That man. That, okay, I wanted to hear your perspective on it. I, I wanted to see if you thought of it as something like to take. You know, to that man take is not uttered or take seriously. Alex, when has that man stood on that podium and said a single truth? Oh, he says truths all the time. Don't let go of the rope. Uh, you know, keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing. All those things are truths. I don't, I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. They're facts. Yeah. Yeah. I've already been uh, indicted. The I mean, indicted. <laughs> you should have asked. The, you should have asked. Uh, you should have asked one of the newer players if uh, during a press conference, uh, if they had heard the burn the boat story yet. Oh, man. Because we Damn, got that great Duncan quote in the playoff bubble run. Um, chat says my webcam needs a full offseason. <laughs> Guys, yeah. let me tell you something. I'm not going to be here a lot. I'm going to Europe at the end of the month, and I'm there for like three weeks. So you're going to get a lot of time off from me. I don't know who's going to do free agency, but it ain't going to be me. You're going to get it. You're going to get the coverage, but it ain't me. Um, Probably Tiff or Brian. Way or to hype up your offseason coverage. Oh, my God. It's going to be great. Now, nah, listen, people want less of me. Alex, you don't get the formula. I'm the least liked person in this whole operation. The less I don't get of the formula. You, the better, huh? Hey, I don't you get know the formula. formula. You help build it. <clears throat> so the less of me, the better. I'm just a self-centered asshole who wants my own platform, so I, I hog it. Um, no, you're essential to the formula. That's why I'm, uh, I'm essential to the People act like they don't want you around, but then no, it's, it's, great. it's not as fun without poking fun at you. You know? That's how it works. I have, I'm, here, I'm here to serve. Um, you know, to wrap up, it was a special season. To, to get that magical performance from Jimmy in game six. I know it, it's going to hurt because they didn't win, and maybe it will feel different in the years. But in the moment, it was watching, you know, just one of the greatest games of basketball I've ever seen a person play. In a, in Jimmy a, is stamped. Jimmy is certified. Can't say shit about him anymore. Can't like, say I really shit. don't want to hear that it. Whole, can't say shit about not being the best player on the championship team, blah, blah, the blah. The Bryn Forbes stuff, like, superstar, capital S. I, I oh, don't want to hear if you don't like the way he's playing against the Kings in December. He, I don't care. Just the definition that everybody always goes back to is like, do you step up your game in the playoffs? And he's done it two out of three seasons. Now we know the context of what happened last year. Not to just, you know, crank up the excuse, the excuse machine, but really like two out of three years, man, he's turned it up and gone toe to toe with the greats and, and doing it on like a night to night basis. That's exactly what you want from a superstar. That's what you expect. And that he's their superstar. Crab says, you're my sixth favorite heat beater. It's <laughs> the most I've laughed all afternoon. Um, he was great. You know, I think, you know, a lot of people said that the team let him down. Yeah. You know, in a lot of ways, yeah. Yeah. Um, their bodies betrayed them. Some guys didn't step up. Some guys didn't shoot well. Some guy, you know, I don't think, I thought Spo was good too. I, I think Spo coached a really good series. It's just at a certain point, you know, what can you do? But, you know, to get the, to get the one they seed. To hold the one seed, not just to get it's not like they stole the one seed. They got it and barely let it go. They went through there. a stretch of basketball where they lost embarrassing games to the Knicks, the Nets, and had a fight on their sidelines. They became the center of the gossip talk and saying how they weren't going to live and this and that. And they convert that into a shot away from getting to play Steph, Draymond, and Clay in the finals, you know. You got to embarrass Harden and Bead. Better than I mean, come on, that, that was okay. And then you got that Game Six win in Boston. That's gonna go down as I mean, it just would have 
probably gone down higher if they would have finished it off and taken care of business game seven. But that game six win, I'm never going to forget that. That I'm was never, one of my favorite wins of all time. Was, the shots, the the turnaround. And incredible, incredible. Like I really, that's, <laughs> I would have to go look into it, but that's, that's gotta be like top five, man. As far as like in the moment, the top five uh, heat performances of you all knew time. It as you man. were watching it. You knew as I was, you were watching. Um, it felt like that, you know, that sports magic shit, right? Where it's like this guy is just doing it all. It felt, <laughs> he can't miss. I'm not gonna lie, it, it, that I think felt Jordan like, shots, the little the mid mid range turnarounds, and he just got into his bag, man. It, it was everything that Heat fans have been asking him to be. It was like, you know, be the scoring guy who's gonna give you the buckets night after night after night. He did it. He did it against the best defense in the league, and he did it throughout the whole playoffs. You know, except for a couple of games after he had. The, the knee inflammation, man. And I just think, like, it's we, we got to give him his flowers right now. And I, we also, by the way, got to give Bam his flowers because I think he had a pretty damn good playoffs despite, the you know, some of the low-scoring games that everybody was mad about. I think Bam was a huge part of that run. Had and Bam, say, Bam had two ginormous games because if it wasn't for that game three and if it wasn't for the way he played in game seven, you know, they might not have gone to game seven without his game three performance. And uh, game seven would have been a lot uglier if it wasn't for Bam making all those tough shots and getting things going in the offense. Because Jimmy played awesome. They would have got blown out if it wasn't for Bam playing the way he did. They, as a collective, you know, they fought. And he shut down Embiid, the guy that everybody's begging for five minutes after they get eliminated. He shut that man shut down. Shut him down. Put Over every- my dead body will they trade Bam for Embiid. Put everybody in jail. By the end, at the end I don't of- care that he's better. <laughs> by the way, I, I Tatum scored a lot of points. Didn't score a lot over Bam. I'll say that. These guys didn't. They, they, I'm telling you, they they didn't want that matchup. They looked for a lot of matchups on the floor. They didn't look for that one. Uh, they were they were the Celtics were even trying to manipulate switches before the action, so that they could get Bam out of place. So you know, he was fantastic. They were fantastic. He deserved Defensive Player of the Year. I don't think you can watch that series. One more place for him, Spo. That's all I ask. Just a little more, you know. So that when it gets to times like this and everything else isn't working, he actually feels a little bit more comfortable doing these things. Even though he, he did step up with huge, with huge scoring games, just get him a little bit more comfortable, man. Get him going in rhythm earlier instead of just running everything for the shooters. Like, I, I get it that it, it works for a lot, but when those shots are falling, like, you need that guy to step up. And, and you know, he, they, he fans wanted him to be something that I think he wasn't for the past three seasons, during the regular season, during the playoffs. It wasn't his role. And then he still stepped it up for those huge games despite that. And, and I think it would have been a lot easier for him to kind of flip that switch, even though it, not that that was the, I don't think that was like the the difference necessarily between them losing game seven or anything. Cause he, he went off, but I think that that flipping that switch that everybody wants him to flip would be a lot easier. If, you know, they actually had uh run stuff for him throughout the season and got him going, make him feel comfortable. Like he actually has the, you know, the opportunity to do that whenever he wants. Absolutely. So, just shout out to this team, this group of guys, you know, from I know that again, some some players, you know, when it counted, you you didn't trust a mechanic, you know, Duncan, you know, all, a lot a lot down the list. You know, I thought Caleb gave him what they could, but the injuries, Caleb looked tough, although his comments, uh, I hope he can stay. I, I liked his comments in the um, exit interview or media, whatever that was. I don't know what they call it now, um, but, you know, spoke Pat, everybody. I mean, it was a great season, I think. How that, do you feel about some of those comments, by the way? about Max calling himself the best shooter. Uh, at the same time, Duncan wasn't speaking. Depot didn't speak. Debman didn't speak. You know, some of the guys who have, like, some of their situations are up in there. 
I don't know if that's something very wise, away not to purpose, just like something like you know, it was optional for them. They didn't have to go. They didn't feel like going, and that's it. I, I don't. I, I think that was wise. I would if I were Duncan or those guys, I wouldn't have won. Vic did. Vic didn't go either, right? I think guys with no. contract stuff. Near to PJ. Near to PJ. PJ doesn't have to answer shit to me. That guy was fucking awesome. He doesn't. He doesn't owe anybody anything. Uh, the the people questioning him because he went to a club after go fuck yourselves. And Tyler and Tyler saying that he thinks he's earned the the starting spot. Tyler had something you... to go there. Tyler Tyler had a Tyler had a had a media game to play, baby. I I respected oh, yeah. that. I was like, my man's like, I'm going out here and I'm putting the pressure on him. I don't like him starting for the record. I think that Max is a better defender, and I think that it just makes the lineups work better. Um, I'm sure that they have to start him now. Um, I think Tyler <laughs> they're fucked. I bet you they wouldn't have started him if he didn't say that, and uh, he said that, and now they got him. So let's see and how then that all goes. that looming with I mean with the extension looming after the the playoffs he just had I mean I think it's a weird that that situation is going to be a little weird not weird like it's like they're going to be like on opposite sides or anything or it's going to be I, I just don't know how it's going to play out because it feels like it could go either way right now shout out to deuces I think they're going to wait a little bit more to to have a, a feeling I mean the key's going to stay it's just for the what number what number they're okay swallowing. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the number part is going to be the He's going to be part. overpaid. Um, so it's all fun and games until the guy gets a contract. They need they need somebody of his caliber, right? Not not even caliber. They need they need somebody with his skill set. And I think they, they are invested in him uh, getting better. And not necessarily him taking, like, another huge leap, just, like, getting incrementally better uh, at some of the, you know, the playmaking, getting to the spots. He was really emphasizing putting on strength and said that he, he, you know, even though he put on strength last uh, off season, he lost a lot of the weight during the season from all the games playing. Uh, and so I think if he could come back stronger, that would be nice too. I think that helps, especially cause he's young. So they were fantastic and they deserve every bit of praise and they don't, they, they shouldn't really get your apathy or your, or your obsessed or, or you guys being upset or anything. I mean, they were um, absolutely unreal this season. Um, and man, thank, thanks to the fans. Thanks to the listeners. I know I give you a lot of shit, but you know, we don't do this without you. And I do this, you know, there's not a ton of money in it, but I do it for you guys. And cause Alex is laughing. Cause he knows <laughs> this, is a, this is a thing. This is a thankless job. You know that people were giving me shit after the step to the arena staging. He fans were, I was like, I did this for you. I don't want to go I to, you know what it is to drive to the arena. In the middle of rush hour. You think you I want to do that over there for a bit after getting off work? Like, come on, bro. I didn't even want to. Cause I didn't think they were going to win that game. I picked Celtics. You played six. your part. Huh? You played your part. I Listen, the fans, the only thing was that you weren't in town for the most important game. So maybe you can, you know, I, I can hold you accountable for that. But the saging stuff, you played your part, man. I played my part. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't want to should have been here. Instead people, of hanging people out people with on Twitter. we really fucking... mad at me for that. There was one guy who was mad that I, that I wasn't in Miami. He's like, how could you not be here? That's what I'm saying, man. You were over there spending time in the, you know, the most gentrified, expensive city in the country, and just living it up instead of being over here with, you know, with the I'm gonna with say your people. Something. I'm gonna say it's a not a good look. I'm gonna say a little. It's not bit a good look. I'm gonna say a little bit of a hot take. I don't even know if there's a hot take. I think Southern California is audacious and straight up disrespectful for to even claim that they're better than Northern California. Northern California is so much nicer than Southern California. NorCal is gorgeous. SoCal's a fucking dump compared to NorCal. Hmm. So NorCal, I, mean, I, I don't, I, I don't have enough to say on that, but I, I wonder if that's like, 
somebody that's who doesn't who's not from Florida talking about how Lauderdale is nicer than Miami. I think it's kind of a similar parallel. No, there. it's I not. Know. I don't. I don't think that at all. I don't think that at all. I, I love the Bay. You don't think it's a good parallel? No, because Lauderdale's not even like just no. It's not even the same. I mean, I've never been. I've never been to California. So I'm not qualified, but I'm, I'm just trying to figure to out if that's like four or not. Go to NorCal. I drove a lot of the Nor. I, I like have... you said, it's a thankless job. I'm it, not going to NorCal. <laughs> it's a thankless job. It's a thankless job, but um, it'll all be on fire in a couple months. It was, I do have one funny story, and then I'll, I'll get out of here. We're driving back. The wedding was in Sacramento. I was driving back to San Francisco. And um, as we're driving back, the whole sky's fucking blood orange. We're like, is there a fucking fire? We lower the window. I was like, I don't smell anything. I was like, but why is it so fucking orange? The whole sky was orange. Took a video. We turn a corner and it's some fucking neon sign that's lighting all the, the low clouds orange. So it just looked like the apocalypse. I thought that was funny. But thank you guys for really a wonderful ninth season. Uh, it's been nine nine years doing this. Next year's our 10 year. Um, you know, I know I speak for everybody at, at Hangover Time and, and WAP and everything that you know, we do this for y'all. You know, we have so much fun. Uh, we laugh every day at dumb shit that we say and the dumb shit you guys tell us. Chat, I wouldn't be here without you. Uh, yeah, Schmeeks uh, is saying I've only been to L.A. once and it's overrated. Shit sucks. I'm going to come out and say it. LeBron pick wrong. But you guys are awesome. Nine years in the books, Alex. Going for 10 Crazy. next year. <laughs> we love you guys. Wow. I'm glad I got to do this with Troppy Baby. It's been forever. Um, I just why I mean, you you waited to bring me on until like right after they get eliminated. And it's a sad part. Well, you're busy all the time. You, you're a fucking full time beat writer, beat reporter, whatever. Full time beat writer, whatever it is. I don't. Know. I can't get. I Brady. would hardly call myself that at all. I think Brady's a full time beat writer, not me. Uh, shout out Brady, man. Crab says, uh, shout out to Brady, aka Paul Wall. Golden Boy, Paul Wall. Oh. <laughs> Somebody said on was it a, a YouTube comment? What was it? Yeah. That Brady looks like uh, Daniel Tice and Paul Wall. They called him Duncan Booker. Come on, man. I feel like that's racist calling him Booker. No, they said that. They said that. Uh, man, I got to be careful now. Uh, Whatever. Regardless, <laughs> it was funny. Uh, Crap says, thank you, G, for teaching us. Uh, you say he looked like Booker if he was white. I feel that's problematic. Crap uh, says, thank you, G, for teaching us. How is that problematic? To laugh at failing in love again. Uh, I, I doesn't. If you got, if you only knew what happened to me today, um, Shmeeks is saying, "Gee, I need to know if you watch Attack on Titan." I do. Um, I'm, it's, it's okay. It's my take. It's, it's, it's an okay show. Uh, but yeah, I love you guys. We really got derailed there at the end. Classic Heepy. Um, I love you guys. You're fantastic. I hope that you stick with us for another year. Check out all of Alex's work over at Five on the Floor. Uh, and floors yours and all the stuff that he does at five reasons shout out to people like ethan who do great stuff over there shout out to david ramil and to wes goldberg who have continued to just do excellent things at locked on i UK love those dan. guys huh uk dan uk dan my homie we had a drink at sugar and brickle that was fun uh a lot just a lot of the content creators around each to jake pablo uh, helped a lot with our graphic stuff to Casey Bannerman, who you saw. Saw the jerseys, Alex? Do you own? Do you have the, the Jimmy jersey? I do. I mean, I don't have it in my room right this second, so that's not great. I have it hanging up, drying because I wore. I wore that jersey during Game Six. I forgot to mention that the Jimmy one. 
Yes, Just that magical game stuff. happened, and that was the first time I had worn the jersey because I just got it in the mail a couple days. Would have sold another hundred if Casey didn't stop selling them after he sells out. But thank you to everybody and to Chad and to all you wonderful people, to all the other content creators out there, everybody except for Ricky J. Mark. Thank you guys so much, and we will see you guys next season. Uh, Chad Face Deal Taylor, homie, subscribe to Tier One. Next year is the year for Jimmy G buckets. The G stands for guts. So love you guys. Never in doubt. Never in doubt. Never in doubt. Yes. Somebody says shout out to Ethan Ashmeath. <laughs> Season nine in the books, baby. Perfect.